Okay. Oh wow, I sound loud in these headphones. Let me see if I can turn it down. Okay. <clears throat> All right, so apologize if I do sound kind of weird. The the weather changed randomly and my allergies are kind of hitting out of nowhere. But I digress. This episode, I am literally recording this the night before it drops. This took me a long time to really go through and rewatch. Not just re- not just rewatch, but this is actually one of my favorite franchises, kind of horror franchises in general. And I want to go through and kind of make sure I kind of gave you an I'll give you an essence on why I really love this franchise. And he's a phenomenal filmmaker. And you guys also know him from. Who are you guys know him from? He's currently doing it. I think the movie's in post-production Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Did the original Spider-Man trilogy. This is Sam Raimi's film trilogy, the Evil Dead franchise. So this is kind of me revisiting this franchise on why I do love it so much. And I guess if you do know me well enough, you'll know my personality is kind of all over these movies. And I can only explain to you so much about this movie. I don't want to spoil the story for you. I don't want to do any of that because I really do think you guys should all check it out for yourselves if you haven't seen it. But the one thing I do want to note before I really do get into this analysis of this film franchise is I really do want to note the fact that it's amazing how far this kind of this franchise has gone when it comes to recognition and cult status. When I'm looking back on doing my research, just kind of getting context of it, I'm still blown away knowing that Sam Raimi was 20 and Bruce Campbell was 21 when they both initially got the concept of this movie. When they both initially got the contact of this movie, they're about they're in college, twenty twenty one, just kind of doing it with some friends and just seeing what it's turning into now. They're working on a new, I believe, movie called Evil Dead Rises. Well, they're executive producing a movie called Evil Dead Rises. They had Ash versus Evil Dead the series. There's an Evil Dead video game that's coming out again next year. They had a musical, multiple video games, remakes. Overall, just phenomenal, and it just makes me really put in perspective how one it's admirable because. Who would have thought this would have turned into this? And this is me looking back on it because I'm, I was young. It was already kind of at big hit status when I was even born. But just seeing the timeline of it is kind of just amazing. So, so, and again, I'm sorry, allergies are bad. So let's get into the evil. Let's get into the first evil dead. And again, I'm gonna reiterate this. It's shocking that this film came from a 20 year old. Who had a shoestring budget? A shoestring shoestring budget. He initially did the film to kind of do like a proof of concept with just to, with some friends of his, like a little short film to see if the concept itself could work. And he crowdfunded the budget from different uh, business owners, dentists, and people that were interested in seeing like a B movie horror film that's kind of silly. You could tell it's kind of cheaply made, but it's very ambitious. And so pretty much what's on the surface and, of course, the core of the, the core of the movie itself is overall just about five friends taking a trip to a cabin in the woods, only to come across an evil journal that forces them to figure out how to survive for the night. Between its cinematography and the pacing of the story, between the cinematography, the pacing of the story, and the gore overall, it's really something that you should be marveled at, that not only that people this young made this, but 
talent overall was really talent and time and characters we put into this movie. It's I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. Knowing how effect, knowing how effective they were, and with how they had to monitor the budget, they were kind of staying in a shitty cabin the entire time, with no electricity, no heat, filming the thing constantly. They're always getting injured and hurting themselves. They have to, they couldn't really afford shit. They had to shoot it on sixteen millimeter camera and convert it to thirty five millimeter. So. That's something that's something that's truly that's cool to look at. And with it with the style of it being kind of cheaply made, it's something that I was never fearful of, but it has like this certain atmosphere to it that could be comparable to only like Halloween, Omen, and Exorcist. And before films like Scream even came up with the idea of throwing the rules out the window when it comes to the slasher genre, even though it's not a slasher movie, it's more supernatural. The evil Evil Dead actually did it 15 years earlier with truth, with the night full of unfortunate events that happen to characters regardless of your gender or morality. They don't choose, they don't necessarily pick and choose who's going to be the victim first based off of, oh, did you have sex? Did you do this? Are you impure? Are you the type of person that society sees you as being the hero? And that's one thing that you do see because there's one guy. And it, he is the macho man. And he's the macho man, too. You think he's going to be the one who has his shit together and is going to be the one who keeps everybody in line? Nope. That macho-ness goes out the window the moment they stay to, they go to that cabin. And they're all just kind of regular people. So with these cabs being regular people, it's very... They don't have much characteristics to them. There's not really much of a backstory. They just know that they're there just to be there. And the cast is pretty much a bunch of unknowns that were just kind of who wanted to help out with the movie with their friend. And it shows in the performances, the effects, the cinematography, lighting, everything. But it doesn't bring the film down. It actually kind of boosts it, in my opinion. And if you wonder how unprofessional it was, they even brought moonshine to set homemade moonshot to just kind of drink during in between takes. And it's interesting to kind of see the groundwork that's being laid into a character who we famously know now as Ash Williams. But he, back then he was kind of, back then he was strictly known as Ashley. And this is someone who was forced out of, who was forced to survive out of his will to live instead of him being the one who was chosen. The one that the person that we see from the beginning, who's the divine person who is to survive. He, Ash kind of seems, he's, Goofy, he's silly, he's immature. And off on paper, he once you learn who his character is or what his personality traits are, he's the person that you would see think would be killed first. But you don't realize until the movie's almost over, like, oh shit, this dude is still alive. And you that's kind of how you put it in more of a realistic setting that there's not they're not kind of picking and choosing who's gonna be who's gonna be what. But mostly Bruce Campbell is just charismatic as fuck. And he's a likable person. So naturally, in hindsight, he was the one who was gonna live, but we didn't know that at the time. Because by the time and that was this is during the whole final girl final girl era. So you would think that it'll be Ashley's girlfriend who would be the one to survive, but I think she's actually the first one to get got. She's the first one to get got. I'm sorry. And I don't want to spoil the movie for you guys, but 
this kind of goes through me having to kind of break down exactly what I like about these movies. And let me see what else. And instead of him kind of being the alpha male who's the one who's who's supposed to be suave and cool to make it seem like everything's okay, who's going to be the one to bring people out and, like, we're going to survive the night, he has pretty normal reactions. And I think how most people would react to situations like this. He's not there to really save anybody. He, they're there to go the long haul. But if you get God, he's not there to really overly help you. At least in this movie, he's not a turned hero yet. Another thing that I really like about this movie is the makeup is cheap and atrocious. Atrocious. Blood and gore effects are cheesy and acting is horrendous, but I think that's what makes me love the movie the most. It's inspiring for how much it was for what it was made for, and it kind of gives a lot of beauty to it. Except early, the cheapness gives it an eerie vibe, especially with the camera and the trails of the fog being used to portray the evil spirits. That's something that I I think this may have been one of the only few times I've seen that before, where we've seen POVs used to be used to portray a killer, but to portray an evil spirit, it's cool to see how they use these long takes where these where they're breaking through windows, breaking through doors, and this is these twenty year old kids, and the cinema like the cinematography it turns itself up and turns itself up a notch to where it's almost like you're seeing a different movie by the time it's almost over and trust me when i say this you will not be able to tell from the intro scene of this movie of how insane it becomes once it really hits the fan and once the finale hits and the ending is very bleak the ending itself is pretty bleak but it's, it was something that I think was necessary at the time. And I think it overall led to a type of success that you ended up getting. Cause you don't know. It's more, it's actually bleak is kind of under, is the wrong word. It's more ambiguous on how the ending was. And it kind of led to it being a hit. It was a success. It was phenomenon. Stephen King loved it. That's a lot. Stephen King's a shitty filmmaker, but it's a terrific writer, shitty filmmaker, but onto evil dead too. 1987's Evil Dead 2, I call this portion of it, the first portion of Evil Dead is called The Ultimate Experience of Grueling Terror, it's Evil Dead 1. Evil Dead 2, I'm calling it Perfecting the Craft. Have you ever had a passion project, or at least one where, or at least heard of one where a creator feels obsessed to revisit once he, once he had the knowledge and experience to perfect what they once started? You kind of learned with Ridley Scott when they kind of fucked him over the Alien franchise. He kind of came back and telling the story that he wants to tell now. We're probably not getting that anytime soon now that Fox has been bought out by Disney, but they're giving him a TV show. I don't think he's I don't think he's really hands on to it, but kind of in that vein and light. Well, that's kind of what Evil Dead Two is. Um, Sam Raimi. And, Bruce Campbell, in between, they made this shitty movie that I don't even really feel like looking up. I just know it was, like, bad. I can't remember. That's how bad it was. I can't even remember the name off the top, and I'm pretty sure it's something none of you guys ever heard of. They were given a chance to bounce back and do a sequel to Evil Dead, but here's the issue with what happened with Evil Dead. This, now that the studio backed, the studio that they that backed them to create the sequel did not own the rights to the original film. So they could not necessarily make it a sequel to the Evil Dead. What they had to do, they had the one of the earliest signs of what we call a recall, which is a reboot and a sequel. 
So if you weren't, if you tried to watch it all in chronological order, you would think that Ash escaped from Evil Dead 1 and then brought a new group of friends in Evil Dead 2 to go through the same shit. No, it's the same group of friends just casted by different people. And it's supposed to be kind of a quick retelling of the scenario of what happened. And now you see that he's kind of stuck in this cabin. You see he's kind of stuck in this cabin. And I like how this is probably the best they could do with it. And I understand because most movies, they were kind of zig. They were kind of zig when they need to zag. But they acknowledge the roots of where the movie came from. And while it is a bit more slapstick and focus, it's centered around Ashley, who we now know as character Ash. And I don't know how much more I can really sing Bruce Campbell's praises because this man is charismatic. He's brilliant as fuck. If you don't know who Bruce Campbell is, if you've never seen the movie, the wrestling announcer and Spider-Man 1, I can't remember who he was for the life of me in Spider-Man 2. Oh, the dude, the dude for the for the play, he was a he ran the box office, and he was the waiter in Spider Man Three. Yeah, that's that's Sam Raimi's best friend, so he's gonna always find a way to cast him in any movie he's in, no matter what. And his charm is through the roof. He's brilliant, and through this point, I think I think what they made them more memorable is that he they realize how charming kind of comes off in the first movie because he wasn't really an actor he was just kind of a, i mean he wanted to act but it was something that he just kind of did with his friend like they were just having fun with it and now they weaponize how charming he can be to create a very iconic protagonist who you now know as this is ash williams with the cut off hand with, with the chainsaw for an arm and is how he calls it his boomstick, which is a sawed-off shotgun. And I'm this is gonna be the word of the day for this episode. This is like a theme. This movie is insane. It is funnier, faster paced, bloodier, and violent in comparison to its predecessor. But instead of the blood and violence being to kind of make instead of the blood and violence being Something that's going to make you squeamish and sick. This is kind of done to kind of, this is done to give a more comedic tone. And it makes me wonder. I saw clips of this movie when I was younger as a kid. And I never, and I never understood, in hindsight, I don't understand why I was so scared of it. There's parts of it that's very shocking to see, but the parts that are shocking are always, are also equally hilarious. Whether it be, I think one of the parts that seem very scary is when they have the Dutch angle and, it leans heavily. It leans it's very absurd at this point. The demons kind of possess everything in the house. They're like laughing at him and shit. This is the highlight of the movie. And he's laughing with them. He's. And I don't think they're, they're, supposed, they're supposed to be like messing with a psyche at this point. And he's leaning into it. He's going with it to try to escape the madness. And he, because he, I think at this point he realized he can't truly escape it. But seeing this now that I'm old, now that I was older, you get a better understanding of how a lot of these gags were the blueprint for what we now know as to be the Raimi formula that we see in that we saw in the Spider-Man trilogy. 
and I believe they first realized they were they were being unintentionally funny because they had, they had inexperience with their first film. They said, "Fuck it, let's lean into the jokes and let's make it as over over the top with over the top acting and make it as self aware as possible." With with the making very self aware of these jokes with deadites. Yes, that's what these evil evil villains are called. They're called deadites, and something that. There's one thing that people, there's one point that people bring up all the time at the first movie with one of the girls, she got stabbed in the ankle with her pencil. It leans in there, it's lingering. I don't know if you ever stabbed yourself with a pencil, but that shit hurts. And they're just kind of holding it there, digging into the ankle. That makes you squeamish a lot. In this case, in the scene where Ash has to saw off his hand because it, is, it has been possessed by the deadite and he has to... And he has to saw it off before it takes control of his full body. It is, again, a lot of, it's gratuitous blood. But with the gratuitous blood, it is there to, it's not, it's just not this there. I'm tripping. His reaction to it is so over the top that it's kind of funny. When you're seeing somebody die in the cellar pit, it's like a geyser of blood. It's it's absurd to the point where it takes you out of the movie and you're kind of laughing at it a little bit, which is why I recommend this movie to a lot of people who even said they don't like horror. I would always tell them, no, you would, you don't, yeah, you don't like horror, but you would like this movie for real. And I cannot stop singing this praises. And once again, this movie with the blood and violence, uh, as with the blood and violence, it is something that goes from, it goes from just comedic to a whole splatter fest that at this point is like MPAA's worst nightmare. And the ending again is something that you can't be, that can't be foretold by the intro. And instead of diving into the creativity and the filmmaking side, we watch our character as she was trying to face this, trying to face his fears at the cabin, knowing that he can't leave only for him to become a hero of generations. By the end, he goes back in time he goes back in time because at this point we learn more about the deadites in the book, of the dead, what we call the Necronomicon. And, you know, they're trapped in this mirror dimension damn near by a hero. And you learn by the end of the movie, like, Oh shit, he goes back in time and he's the hero that stops the deadites who are running free throughout the medieval world. How the fuck he came up with this concept. I have no idea because that is something that turns this movie full circle. And, and I think this is the point where we see Ash as the hero that we know uh, that we know him to be from the original from kind of like how we just know him in, in mind for if you've kind of heard of Evil Dead if you know the character Ash Williams the character that we know from him that the character that we knew him as came from this movie right here Army Darkness I don't have a title for Army Darkness truthfully I'm not that big of a fan of this one um it's my least favorite of the bunch. I I just don't care for... I think if I'm watching it out of context, because it's, it's pretty much at this point, it's an action comedy. It's PG-13. There are some points that are meant to just shock you and scare you a little bit, but it leans more to slapstick comedy. It's like I'm watching Jason and the Argonauts mixed with Three Stooges. And Ash's character is so different. He turns to this almost arrogant asshole, maybe because he knows he's a hero at this point or the experiences that he had with losing his love, losing his loved ones and going back in time makes him, maybe that helps turn him into 
the loner that we see in this movie, who we also probably who we eventually see in Ash vs. Evil Dead the series. But and I don't I'm not mad at the character. I just feel like it just kind of lacks the charm that he had, and it just makes him he he borderlines kind of annoying in this movie a little bit. But again, that's my my personal opinion. A lot of people really love this movie. I don't hate it, but it doesn't make the movie, like I said, it doesn't make the movie bad, but it's just hard to create a trilogy. I just kind of, I guess it shows how hard it is to create a trilogy once your IP gets bigger with every single, with every single uh, entry, because I guess once you get a fan base, you have to try to appease more people. But with that being said, this movie's still fucking funny. Um, for those who you who are fans of Sam Raimi that love the Spider-Man trilogy, if you're terrified of horror movies, you don't want to dig into how crazy the first two Evil Dead movies are. Army of Darkness is probably the one that you would enjoy the most. And it says funny, it takes place in medieval times. It has a lot of influence from Jason and Argonauts. It's not a fr- like the first movie. It's not afraid to be silly, but it's lingering on gratuitous blood and violence is not what it used to be. With an Ash being the person that's trapped in the past and having to be and becoming a historical savior, it feels like an eye roller when you think of the where when you think of the concept on paper. But when you think about it, it's the perfect place to take our take the story for our hero's journey. This is a charismatic person who's also in reality a slacker, who of course will go on this uh, adventure where he can be the hero and save the whole world that no one will ever know of because he went back in time to the Middle Ages. And you kind of, and depending on which ending you watch, because there's a bleak ending that he initially shot that kind of sent him back and sent him forward in time. And they did an homage to Planet of the Apes where society has fallen and he's just kind of stuck there by himself. Or there's the, there's the studio friendly one where he go where he lives happily ever after goes back to S Mart, and none of his coworkers believe that he saved the whole that he pretty much saved the world until more deadites appear. He and he starts fighting for his life at the end, and that's how the trilogy ends. But that's how the trilogy ends, and I it it makes you feel like there's going to be another entry to the movie. And another entry to the franchise until you realize, oh, no, that's not happening. And it sparked a generation to the point where that a rabid fan base, comics, musicals, video games, until the point where, and they kept saying they wanted to make another movie. They wanted, fans wanted another movie. Raimi and Bruce Campbell, I, they entertained the idea of it. And then... We come down to the Evil Dead 2013. I call it splattering realism. Background in the Evil Dead 2013 movie, initially what was going to be a sequel that never happened, ended up being a reboot, which was initially going to be a remake, but Bruce Campbell didn't want to give it the Ash title, which makes sense because that's, once you have certain characters that are ingrained in pop culture, sometimes certain new people can't bring anything to it. No matter how hard you try, there's nothing else you can really bring to it that the other character didn't. And I don't think you can match the charm and charisma of Bruce Campbell outside of Bruce Campbell. This movie, I remember when this movie first came out, it was probably the biggest craze of that year besides The Conjuring. 
I believe he is. Besides The Conjuring and maybe Insidious 2, this may be one of the biggest things I've been seeing this year. I was around 17. It was during the spring of 2013 when it dropped in. I just kept hearing people talking about it, and they just kept saying they were seeing it, where there'd be people in class. I kept reading about it online via Tumblr, and they all they just would not shut up about it. So I was curious, and me being the broke boy I was, I just kind of watched it online, and I didn't care too much for it back then. But I have a newfound appreciation for it now. I hadn't seen the trilogy at the time when it dropped. And, to, and when the movie dropped, but I didn't see the trilogy until Ash vs. Evil Dead Season 2 was out. So I believe that was about season... I didn't watch Ash vs. Evil Dead till about Season 2. So that made me go back and revisit the Evil Dead franchise. And with the knowledge of the full spectrum, with the full perspective of the franchise, I understand the movie, what they were trying to do. It has forgettable characters who make stupid decisions and overall a silly ass reason for being in the woods, which silly reason for being in the woods is one of the main characters. She's on a drug addiction. She has a drug addiction and they want to, they take her to this cabin in the woods to help her detox. I think she has, she has a heroin addiction to be exact. I don't know if I said that before, but she was trying to, she's trying to detox off of it at first, but, and she becomes the first person to become a deadite. So it's literally her fighting her own demons as a metaphor. And it's silly. And they, unlike in the first movie where they find a tape recorder of this person talking about the Necronomicon or the book of the dead. He's the one on the tape. He's reading it out loud and they're listening, thinking it's like, whatever. And that's what summons the demon. These guys in this new movie, they find the book. It's clearly saying, don't read from this shit. Don't read from it. This is evil as fuck. Don't do any of it. And they do it anyways. And. But. And they get what's coming to them. But once it's time for the dead eyes to really take over. This does some. It is fast paced. It is gruesome as hell. And oh my God, it is just unsettling. I don't know how you could just sit there and just watch that for the entire runtime. It still has some humor to it, but man, I just think it's just so chilling. The moment she tells you you're all going to die before sunup. Between, I don't know what scene is worse. There's few, there's a few that come into mind. Somebody get lit up by a nail gun because the dead are taking them over instead of I think initially from the first movies, the Deadites would just take over their body and that's it. The Deadites now, they will force mutilate them, kill them to a point where somebody's getting lit up with nails. Another person, their hand gets mangled by a crowbar. Um, Which one is the one that bothers me the most? One of the girls, she's like using a blade to cut, like the cut through her jaw. And like mouth, like lining of her mouth. Or is it the, ooh, I know which one it was. Where they try to hold off the main girl. They, where they, try, to hold, yeah, where they try to hold her off and she licks the box. They try to like hold her off with the box cutter. She licks the blade of the box cutter and it splits her tongue in two. It is just... 
And this is the era where a lot of horror films are experimenting with using CGI, and the CGI always look like shit. This used about as much practical effects as you could, and man, that's why it bothers me so much because it's still absurd. I'm watching chainsaws cut bodies in half like I used to in the in the earlier movies, but it's something about this one. Since there's not humor to really lean on, it just makes you just sit with it for a long time. And it makes you feel like the one thing I do respect about this director that made it, he ended up doing Don't Breathe later on in this later on a few years ago was the fact that it feels like an experience that Raimi and Campbell were, were originally go, were going with for the original movie, but they lacked the experience. And instead of the, instead of the gore and violence being around the deadites, the remake kind of focuses a lot on the mutilation and overall kills with these people. And in another world, I can see Sam Raimi and Bruce Campbell leaning in on horror a lot more for this, for the original Evil Dead 2, before Evil Dead 2, instead of how we ended up seeing them in this version. But I still don't hate it. It's um, it's worth watching. Well, I, is it my favorite in the movie trilogy? I mean, the whole franchise? No. If I'm doing rankings, it's Evil Dead 1. I mean, it's Evil Dead 2, The Evil Dead 1981, Evil Dead 2013, and Army of Darkness. I'm not really high on Army of Darkness at this point. It's not even a horror movie anymore, but it's still a fun movie. It's not a bad thing at all. And that's the one I recommend to a lot of you guys. If you're not really into, if you're just scared or whatever, that's kind of the one that I recommend to a lot of people. Ash versus Evil Dead, the series. We're 30 minutes in. I'm kind of, I want to keep my horror episode short. So I won't speak too much about this, about the series, but because three seasons, but it's on Netflix and it's worth checking out. And it's very, it's a very fun show, but you could tell it's missing the Raimi influence that it really deserves. But overall, that's kind of my 30 minute analysis and on the Evil Dead franchise. Please check it out. It all the three entries are streaming on HBO Max. The 2013 version isn't streaming anywhere. But I think it's on Hulu for with a special with a special subscription. And Ash vs. Evil Dead is on Netflix. Check those out. I can't speak high, speak about them highly enough. And you guys take care. I'll catch you again for the next episode next week. I'll be discussing Halloween kills and kind of my rankings of the Halloween franchise as a whole and how I feel about it. You guys take care.